Welcome to this special edition of the Storecast Self Storage Industry Interview Series for the Self Storage Association Asia Expo. We're delighted to join and interview and introduce some guests from the market down under. Plenty to learn and some great stories to share, so let's get stuck into it. My guest is Jason Keane, General Manager of Sentinel Security here in Australia. Well, it's uh, a big welcome to Jason Keane, General Manager of Storage Security Australia, a nationwide self-storage security and automation business. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for joining us, mate, from Melbourne, Victoria. You're in the middle of an extended lockdown like uh, no one else in the world has really seen. How's things going and, uh, and welcome to Storecast. Well, first of all, thanks a lot, Hans. It's um, it's a privilege to uh, to uh, to be part of um, the association conference, um, although virtual. Um, I have attended many of the um, the Asian conferences and and usually have a blast. Um, yeah, the COVID thing's certainly been interesting. We'll no doubt touch on that again today. Um, we're hoping uh, uh, that today uh, sees us. Um, exercising our roadmap, which will allow us to get back to a, what we would deem as being a COVID normal. Here's hoping. Absolutely. Uh, our, our thoughts are with you, and uh, it's definitely been a difficult year. But what, as we'll touch on, there's been some great opportunities come out of it as well. And an unusual fashion for you, Jason, you've reshaped your business and, and come out firing on the other side, which, uh, which we'll dive into. So tell us a little bit about Storage Security Australia. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a business that you've been growing really proactively in the last few years, which has been a delight to see. Uh, just tell us a bit about the business, what you do, and, uh, and, and, and what's keeping you busy at the moment. Sure. Well, well it has grown. Um, we, um, I was given the privilege back in 2013 to um, purchase um, uh, what was then called Sentinel Australasia. Um, Sentinel Systems is a um, uh, access control and unit alarm specific self-storage security system. Uh, great opportunity um, and really well backed out of America. Um, had a little bit of exposure into Asia, not a huge amount, but some, um, some, uh, some customers in Hong Kong and Singapore uh, in particular. Um, listen, the, the guy that had the distribution rights simply um, was nearing retirement. Um, uh, I used him, so, so we were using the product uh, whilst I was running a portfolio in Melbourne. Um, and uh, he said, if anybody's interested in purchasing it, it may be a good opportunity for me to pass on the details. Um, and, um, and it looked good on paper. So I uh, sat down with my wife and convinced her that this should be a new chapter and uh, and we purchased it. Um, since then, you know, we listen, We literally just listened to the market and um, we asked the marketplace as to what it was that they wanted out of a, um, a security company specific for the self-storage industry. Um, to be honest, uh, the feedback that we got was is that they just wanted somebody who was dependable, you know, good products, um, uh, had a really, really good alliance with installers. And more in particular, uh, if something did go wrong after the products were installed, they wanted somebody to be able to jump on the phone and ring and I suppose handball or pass that um, responsibility to somebody else. So we've held that mantra pretty close to our heart, you know, me and the team, you know, as the business has evolved. Um, you know, we... we um, 
we believe that if a, a customer needs support, they should have the ability of jumping on a phone and literally um, talking to us and therefore we take care of the problem. Um, the last few months or years, I suppose, have, have given us plenty of opportunity and um, you know, we're starting to move into areas of automation. Um, we've also had the opportunity of being able to distribute more recently the PTI brand, which is very strong in the Asia region. Um, and we do, uh, uh, we work really closely with brands such as Hick Vision and Dawa from a CCTV perspective, Bosch from an office alarm perspective, pretty much everything self-storage, even electric fence brands such as Gallagher and more recently with um, the likes of gate automation systems and also in regards to our roller door motor companies as well. Um, we've tried to create a one-stop shop um, where we literally just have the ability of being able to say to the market, just generally, um, you know, what is it would you like? And, and then just come up with a solution moving forward. And uh, it, it's pretty rare these days that we're not able to help people out that make a, an initial inquiry. Yeah, great. And uh, we're, we're a customer and, uh, and happy to give some really positive feedback there. So thanks for your support that, that you provide us uh, each and every day across the country, Jase. Uh, so talk us through this rapidly changing technology access automation part of the industry. You know, wh where have we come from? Where are we going to? You're, you're right in the box seat to be able to talk us through that. And, and there's no doubt that 2020 has accelerated existing trends and one of those is technology. So, so what's happening right now and what are we going to see in the future? Hey, well, well, I've seen a lot in 20 years, um, uh, mostly through operations management and, and then later on general management. And now I own my own, um, I called it a tech company for, for one of better words. Um, I mean, back 20 years ago, you would struggle really to be able to convince owners that migrating from a, a padlock to, for example, an access control system was a good move and then now that's very much commonplace and really the standard that we're seeing out there now um, in a number of regions is um, access control definitely, individual unit alarms definitely, CCTV definitely, gate auto automation definitely. Um, but what COVID has done more recently um, it's basically put pressure on um, suppliers such as myself and distributors such as myself to be a little bit more innovative um, where operators such as yourself are turning around and saying we've got the skill set and we've got the resources to not have to be at the store, you know, for eight or 10 hours a day. We've got the ability of being able to um, manage the facilities more remotely, particularly the smaller size stores. So we've seen um, a, a reliance upon um, mobile phone applications, uh, a reliance upon um, not physically having to have computer systems on a site, rely more with cloud automation and, and devices, which we call Landtronics. Um, the ability of being able to bolster the number of CCTV cameras so that managers and call center operators can literally have a look at all aspects of, um, of their storage facility and make sure that everybody that's there is authorized and they've got the ability of being able to um, even coach people over the phone in regards to where they need to be. 
Um, but more along the lines of um, individual door automation, very, very strong. We've worked really close with a company called CAS here in Australia where um, a, an automated lock, so no longer the need for an individual padlock in a lot of cases, um, still interfaces with the managerial software systems and provides an end-to-end -end, um, solution where previously it was a little bit disjointed where people had to be issued with a lock and there may not have been anybody on site to be able to do that in a satellite um, situation. But most certainly COVID has basically had us have to really manoeuvre quickly in regards to being able to give operators such as yourself the ability of running these stores unmanned without the disconnection of a, of a customer feeling like they've turned up to a storage facility, which is empty, you know. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going down the path now of more along the lines of, um, you know, multi-facility uh, call um, sensors uh, with video streaming, certainly the lock automation, certainly bolstering more CCTV, and, and really trying to uh, work mechanisms around not only what the operator wants, but what the customer feedback needs to be. And, and that's probably um, as important as basically the people that are paying us in the, in the interim. Um, but very, very exciting space. And to be honest, um, you know, not that there's many great things about COVID, of course, but what it actually has done is it's forced us to treat this to be top of mind. And I think that now the momentum has gathered that it's going to continue heading in this direction, you know. So still good reputable brands in, in the sake of the Sentinel product and the PTI product and, you know, but now starting to move and work with both of those brands as well as others to be able to really, really come to the party in regards to what is it that the operators want, um, particularly now that we've been confronted with the, um, with the epidemic that we have been. We really see automations being critical to the ongoing viability of the industry and and the customer experience. I guess a question I was keen to run by, Jason, is you know, what, what is the purpose of automation in, in your view? Uh, f for us, automation is more than just about the bottom line, but automation is going to be about customer experience, he uh, health, uh, and those sorts of things that customers are far more aware of now, uh, but also data capture and using that data to improve the customer experience, improving building design and these sorts of things. Can you expand on any of those ways that innovation and technology is going to improve the industry? Yeah, sure. Um, well, the data capture is a, a pretty critical one to be um, quite frank. I mean, you know, there's some alliances uh, with a mobile phone app and the location services that are, are turned on in order to be able to use um, the, the automation as to whether that be the primary purposes of being able to open up a common door or gate, um, or whether it's gonna be the automation involved in basically opening up an individual unit alarm. But I mean, the, the information that we're getting um, back and what the operators are starting to talk about is, it would be great to know what habits um, are uh, being adopted by people that also happen to use self-storage. And we recently had a case, uh, for example, in New Zealand, 
um, where we were having a roundtable discussion uh, over this type of thing. And, and they were talking about, you know, do we go down the path, for example, of um, building a takeaway coffee shop, a drive-through coffee shop at the start, at, at the front of the storage facility in order to be able to make the overall project a little bit more viable. And the conversation that come up is, I wonder how many people before they visit self-storage or after they visit self-storage actually go to a coffee shop. And that type of data capturing would enable us to be able to do that. And, and what we're starting to see uh, in all regions around the world is self-storage is being paired uh, on a multi-use um, scenario with things, for example, like service stations, certainly coffee shops, um, uh, uh, drive-through coin-operated car washes, um, an array of different businesses. And that data capture would allow us to be able to make more informed decisions about what are the best and most appropriate businesses to be paired with self-storage or for that matter, you know, vice versa. So, um, you know, we're seeing some interesting things that are taking place out there. Um, I mentioned the car wash because I was actually out at a site today that is paired with a car wash and also self-storage. And the two applications seem to work really well um, with each other. But most certainly, I mean, recently over in the Philippines, we're working with a customer who's looking at putting self-storage in a shopping centre. You know, and there were things that 15, 20 years ago we would have not considered, but we're tracking some habits not through so much our software because it's not there yet, but certainly we're starting to have a look at developing that software to be able to give us some feedback just to see whether those two businesses can actually exist um, as, as part of it and whether they can integrate. You know, things, for example, such as does there need to be shared doors which enable people to be able to come from the self-storage facility into a food court, right, um, and vice versa, where... Previously, we may have, for example, just put a big wall up around the outside of it and hadn't even considered the things that the customers actually want within. But there's no doubt moving forward that uh, it's all about, you know, what's best for the customer, particularly in these competitive marketplaces. And, you know, really, at the end of the day, we should be able to facilitate somebody who comes into self-storage, uh, you know, at 6pm at night, for example. Uh, and at the moment, what we're trying to do is almost force or coerce everybody to come in and do a sign up and do all of those things during our office hours. That's providing that we've got the office there or working with our habits where what we've got to do is develop the automation to fit more into as to what they want to do. It's a little bit like a McDonald's drive through. They're open 24 hours a day. Why? Because that's what the customers want. Well, we've got to be thinking a little bit more outside of the box, for want of better words, to be able to facilitate that and to not create any hurdles from people choosing to store at our storage facility. Jason, another uh, ancillary use is co-working spaces, right, uh, within self-storage facilities for lifestyle and business users to be able to check their email, get a decent cup of coffee and, and even have training or, or training sessions or meetings for their business on site. And the technology should be able to solve that through automation yeah, um, uh, we've got a client uh, which we call Click Collective um, and they're located local to us. Not that that matters. And um, they're a little bit of a different business. They're not a typical self-storage business. They, they certainly run 
um, um, a, a serviced office environment, they've got a couple of, you know, uh, precursors along the lines of turning around and saying that um, if you um, want to run your business from their um, uh, premises, that you need to be able to have an online business. So it's got like a bit of a funky feel, but that's a really good example of somewhere where um, the manager doesn't need to be there all of the time. It has the, the customers and also the operators have the ability of being able to come in whenever they, they feel. But you're right, there's a lot of uh, industries now that um, need to be looked upon uh, in order to be able to make a commercial site work. And, um, you know, uh, in, for example, the Australian market, you know, the larger facilities are around about 7,500 square metres or 75,000 square feet. Um, you know, if you did come across a property which, for example, had the ability of producing 15,000 square metres, for example, you don't really want to pass on that opportunity. What you want to do is be able to pair with somebody or something that will enable you to be able to run a self-storage facility from there and maybe even test those boundaries where you might create a relationship that will allow you to claw back some extra space in years to come and have something which also has the ability of being able to growing. And serviced offices is certainly one of those things um, uh, what we call enterprise units is another one, which is a larger format of self-storage without the prohibited nature of the likes of, you know, commercial leases and so forth. They're a little bit more flexible. Um, we're starting to see service stations, for example, co-inhibit with the likes of, um, of self-storage. Um, and the car wash example and coffee shop example are two other examples which are, are now going to become more and more commonplace. And, um, you know, we're also finding that vehicle storage, for example, in Australia and New Zealand is becoming a very, very big business. You know, you could argue because of COVID, people aren't able to travel. So therefore, they need to be storing those types of vehicles. But where that used to be auxiliary income, you know, whilst you were waiting for your storage facility to fill up, until you can claw back that area and turn it into self-storage, it's actually become quite a, a good and well-generating income business within itself. And that actually has elements of um, security that need to go with it um, as to whether um, that's bolstered CCTV or individual compounds that need to be um, protected. And um, you want to be able to restrict access to people that, for example, don't have a reason to be in that area, but yet they have in the normal self-storage area. Fascinating. And there's no doubt automation technology is going to transform our business over the next couple of years. And um, and you'll be right in the middle of it, which is which is great. So, Jace, 2020, again, for context, Melbourne's had one of the longest shutdowns globally, uh, which has been very trying. Uh, just keen to get your insights into lessons learned, experiences from 2020, any particular particularly memorable experiences or, or, or lessons lessons you've learned and, and changes to the way that you run your business? Yeah, we, um, uh, back in um, March, we obviously, like everybody else, didn't think this was going to take hold the way that it did. Um, we really thought that um, a month of lockdown would have probably seen this through. Um, 
that obviously history didn't show that that was the case. But um, we had a business review take place uh, about two years ago. Um, and um, we uh, uh, there were several recommendations that were made about our business, um, mostly saying because of the way that our business had grown, that we uh, probably should have, uh, and we didn't have time to do it at the time, but we needed to stop and add and implement a lot of procedures and really be able to look at our business in a way that um, had us reflect upon where we were um, and how did we actually get there. So the review two years ago pointed out all of the things that we should have done and then we did those uh, as we could. What lockdown did is forced us to basically go about implementing all of the things that were suggested. Um, and um, so we saw that as a positive. Um, the, the same company that we got to do the review, we, we got them to come back in and said, here are all of the things that you recommended, 50% of the things we've done. Now, here are the 50% that we didn't, um, but it may have changed in that period of time. So they really forced us to do that. So that was certainly a positive. Um, and we saw that implementing those changes, policies and procedures then put us in good stead when the rest of the company basically opened up and, and for that we were truly thankful. Um, Victoria itself, um, in, in my region, uh, what we found um, hands was mostly that people basically started sitting on their hands. They said, we know that self-storage is a great business, we wanna be involved, um, but uh, we don't know uh, if we were to purchase a block of land or a building, whether we're gonna be able to get people involved and we don't wanna hold on to a business or sorry, a, a, um, a building and then have to repay loan facilities and so forth for 12 months. We just need a little bit of an indication as to when the business would come out of COVID. Um, so uh, for months and months and months, um, the Victorian basically um, uh, industry for self-storage had people just sitting on their hands and not doing a lot. Um, from, a, from a normal operational perspective, if you were already up and running, there was no problems because if you weren't allowed to move out, um, that kind of offset people not being able to move in. So it was a bit of a net net situation, but from certainly from a new development perspective, things slowed. Um, the rest of the country opened up and we're a true national business into New Zealand and Asia. And so our business itself was able to respond very quickly because we weren't just relying upon one state. However, um, by June, July uh, in Victoria, people said, we've really done nothing for three or four months in regards to developing. So they bit the bullet and, and they just went hammer and tong and to be honest, we had a lot of rural sites, country Victorian sites come to fruition that previously weren't. And the general feedback from people have been hands um, that they um, sat there having other businesses which were very much exposed to COVID. Um, you know, one of my clients, he, he, he um, supplies the billiard tables in all of the hotels throughout Australia, uh, throughout um, Victoria, New South Wales, ACT and South Australia. Well, his business stopped overnight because with the distancing laws, the big pool tables no longer had a purpose because they needed to get as much space as they possibly could within bars. 
So he had to pick those up and place those into storage. So he's now transitioned and he's now a self-storage operator with three self-storage facilities on the back of trying to find something which is a little bit more resilient in, in uncharted waters and un uncharted territories. So we've had a lot of growth through sectors of people that were not involved in the self-storage industry and heard a lot about it, turned around and said, one day I'm going to get around to that. Um, and this has kind of forced them down to a path and um, they're going hammer and tongs. So rural Victoria, um, New South Wales and Queensland for that matter has never been stronger. Um, the Brisbane market is very, very strong at the moment as is um, New South Wales, uh, sorry, as is Sydney, Wellington uh, and also Auckland in New Zealand. And we're filtering inquiry out of Asia and that's been really, really promising as we basically do a transition to broaden our um, distribution network in those regions. Great, uh, great lessons there, mate. It's been an incredible year. Um, maybe there's an opportunity for the billiard table guy to make even bigger tables, so social distancing. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you pivot from tables to storage? That's pretty crazy. Um, so, Jace, uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. You're a man of high energy. You work non-stop, uh, and I know you're 24-7 available to your customers. Uh, it's almost um, hard to ask, but what do you do when you're not doing storage, mate, which is the limited time you have left over? When building this business and my roles prior to self-storage in general management and operations management, they have been very time taxing. As exciting as they are, you've got to keep in mind that uh, you've got a family at home which, um, which are waiting for you to come home, which is always good. So, um, so I spend a lot of time with family. I try to dedicate as much time to wife and kids as I possibly can. Um, I'm a bit of a classic car buff, so um, uh, my my Achilles heel is English sports cars. So um, I have a, a Triumph TR6 at um, at home. Well, actually, correction, it spends more time at the workshop than it does at home. But like all English sports cars, English sports cars. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm a bit of a racing fan as well, so um, I don't mind getting behind a, a race car from time to time to do an occasional hot lap. So really enjoy that. Um, it's a little bit of an outlet and um, I'm sports crazy as well. So anything that invo involves a, um, a ball uh, is good. I, I, I live in Melbourne, so I'm an AFL fan. Um, but I love my rugby, um, mostly union. I, I like league as well, of course, but equally um, basketball. You know, recently I was in Manila and they're basketball crazy over there, which is absolutely awesome. And I fly in and out of the States or used to a lot like everybody else. And yeah, I'll watch anything with a ball. So um, I've got a bit of a man cave happening with a few screens up, which I try to you know, jump in and out of when I can. But um, it's been a, listen, it's been a busy year, Hans. And, um, uh, you know, um, if, if I had to choose an industry to be involved in, uh, you know, 20 years ago, having known now what I know, uh, I don't think I would have changed my path. It's a pretty resilient industry. And um, as people live more dense and... Um, and population uh, continues to increase, 
Um, I'm really excited about the prospect that this industry has got a, a long way to go and that the momentum is going to continue. And, and I had no idea when I did a transition from shopping centre management 20 years ago into self-storage that, um, that uh, I'd be sitting here in 20 years' time turning around and, and saying that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not recession or covid um, uh, proof, but gee, uh, the industry has proven to be quite resilient. No, good summary. And uh, mate, thanks so much for the energy you bring to the sector. Uh, we've uh, we've had a lot of good times over the years, and it's been, as I said at the outset, a real pleasure to see you grow your business. And it looks and feels like you've just started the next chapter. So congratulations and. Thanks for sharing your experiences today with Storecast. Uh, we really look forward to catching up again soon. Really appreciate it, Hans. Good luck for the rest of the conference. Cheers. Some great takeaways from that interview. We'll see you soon on this special expo edition of Storecast.